0: This series called Miracles, uh, I, interestingly enough, we've been talking about miracles. And we've talked about the different kinds of miracles there are. We've talked about, we've given a lot of different ways to think about miracles, how to describe miracles and what they are and how they function, how to pray for them, how to respond to miracles when they happen in our lives. But this week, I was, I was thinking about another way to define what a miracle is. And this is what I came up with. Miracles are a God-only solution to the problems we face. Miracles are a God-only solution to the problems that we face. And really when you think about it, if if God was not required as a part of it, then it wasn't a miracle. Because the miraculous by definition requires God's participation requires God changing the rules that he put in place in the in in the beginning and so we're not able to deal with these problems there are some things in our lives that we don't have the power the wisdom or the resources to tackle that problem that we're facing and more often than not miracles are born out of prayer it's someone who is calling out to God in the middle of desperate circumstances And asking God to change the rules, to intervene, to step in, to do what only he can do. Elijah asking God to send fire from heaven. Moses asking God to part the Red Sea. The blind man on the side of the road asking Jesus to restore his sight. I've been there. I've been in those places where I I had situations, circumstances that I was dealing with that I couldn't deal with. And I had to have God intervene if it was going to end well. And you've probably been there too, asking God to step in and to do what only He can do. Yesterday, we came together as a church to pray. I referenced uh, the prayer service that we had yesterday. We prayed for our nation. We prayed for trilogy. We prayed for our community. We prayed for strong families. We prayed for power. And it was an awesome, awesome time in God's presence. We prayed for miracles. And we asked God to do what only He can do. But how many of you know that those needs that we were praying about yesterday don't only come around just when we have a church prayer meeting scheduled, right? I mean, the, 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 the needs in our lives don't just materialize when we are going to a church prayer meeting. Not a single day passes without many, many things that need to be prayed for and taken to God and asking God to work the miraculous. Every day that passes, we have things in our lives that need to be prayed for in that way. And people are praying every day for a miracle in their finances, in their homes, in their relationships. People pray for healing as well. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but for some reason, praying for miracles of healing can be more difficult for some reason for us to pray for. For whatever reason, it's more difficult to pray for a miracle of healing than it is to pray for financial provision, to pray for relationships, to pray for other things. Uh, maybe it's just me, but it seems like the stakes are higher when you're praying for healing, especially when you're praying for someone and you're praying for God to heal someone. Now there's someone else in, in that's participating. Someone else is involved and your faith is on the line. Um, and I have to ask myself, why do we sometimes shrink back from praying and asking for miraculous healing, even though we believe God is still able and does work miracles today and there could be all sorts of reasons as to why maybe we're not sure how to pray for the sick maybe we think what if they don't get better and we get nervous about it what if what if they die anyway maybe you've prayed before but it didn't work you didn't get the answer you thought you should get maybe you're heartbroken because you've lost someone that you loved and you really needed in your life and you lost them after you prayed all of these are genuine reasons that people don't pray and ask God to heal. They don't cry out anymore for a miracle. And first of all, if that's you, if you fall into the category that I just mentioned at the end, I want to tell you that I am so sorry if your heart has been broken and you're hurting because someone you loved is no longer here with you. And I've been there, I've been through that pain and it's horrible. It's It's one of the hardest things we deal with in this life is losing the life of someone that we care about, that we love. And my prayer for you today is that Psalm 147 would be true in your life where God says he heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. God can and will bandage your broken heart. Spend time with him in prayer, in worship, in rest, Sabbath. Let God be God in your life, in your emotions, and in your pain. Because he wants to be God of your life in everything. Not just the good times, but the times where we're struggling as well. I want to share a story real quickly because there are times when we pray and we ask God. And sometimes God answers prayer uh, the way we think he should. And then we pray other times and sometimes God doesn't answer prayer exactly like we think he should. Right? Um, Melissa's dad uh, and Jordan's dad and, and Kirsten's husband George uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor many, many years ago. And, we, and doctors at that point gave him about less than a year to live. It was rapidly growing and they said, this is inoperable and you have about a year. Well, we did what we knew to do, right? We prayed, uh, families prayed, we, we enlisted lots of people to pray, entire churches across the country were praying for George. And we believed God for a healing miracle, and the tumor disappeared. I mean, it was gone. They went back in. They did an MRI. The brain tumor could not be found on an MRI. He was healed. The tumor was gone, and we celebrated. I mean, it was, it was a miracle. And uh, the short time that he was given, that year passed, and he was still here with us, more and more time passed, and we knew God had answered our prayer. But then the tumor came back or a new tumor appeared and a brain tumor again. And we prayed again. And surely, right, this was another opportunity for God to demonstrate his power in George's life. But this time, even though we prayed and other families prayed and other churches prayed all across the country were praying, this time George went to be with Jesus. And we were heartbroken, almost all of us. In life have faced a situation like this at some point in our lives and in our humanness when we face times like these we ask all sorts of questions don't we did God not come through you know what what now do we quit praying for others why did God perform a miracle one time and not the other we ask those in our flesh we ask those in our humanness and today I want to wrap up our series on miracles by asking this question What do I do when I'm praying for a miracle and it doesn't happen? That's a hard question. Most of us try to understand why, what happened. We come up with our own explanations and then with the best intentions, we share it with those who have suffered a deep loss, like it's somehow going to make it all better. And sometimes we'll say things, you know, despite our best intentions, we come up with pretty unhelpful explanations sometimes, don't we? I mean, we do our best. But we'll say things like this to the person who lost someone. It was just their time to go. God needed them more than you do, which doesn't make any sense because God doesn't need anything, he's self-sufficient. But God just said no to your prayer. And then how about this one? God always takes the best or he gives and he takes away. And and you've heard me say, and all of those, I mean, they're well intentioned. Uh, Some of them are even accurate, but they—they're not necessarily helpful, are they, to someone who's hurting? And you've heard me say that God answers every prayer, right? Uh, Sometimes He answers yes, sometimes He answers no, and sometimes the answer is wait. But God answers every prayer. But when we're desperate, when we're in the middle of a desperate situation, when we're crying out to God for a miracle, that explanation even though true, doesn't bring comfort, does it? And none of it is really helpful to a hurting soul. When Job lost everything, his friends gathered around him. They tried to offer up explanations for why it happened. Why did he lose all of his children, all of his belongings? Why did he lose all of his servants? Why did everything get taken away, destroyed? None of their explanations comforted Job. Some of them were biblically and scripturally accurate explanations. It didn't comfort Job. Most of it did make the situation worse, though. And I want to attempt to answer two questions this morning, because when we don't have the answer that we think we want or need, it can hurt, it can cause pain in our soul, pain in our minds, pain in our hearts. It can cause relationship struggles. It can cause all sorts of things. And so what I want to look at today are attempt to answer two questions this morning. Number one, how should we approach praying for a miracle? What should our attitude be as we pray for the miracle in the first place? Because there's a right attitude to have as we bring the need to God in the first place. So we're going to talk about that briefly. And then I wanna look at what's the right response when you've been praying for a miracle and you don't get it. And boy, that's the hard one, isn't it? And I want you to know right up front, there is no silver bullet answer to these questions. You're not going to get to the end of this message a light bulb is going to appear above your head and you're going to know how to perfectly handle every circumstance ever for the rest of your life. These are messy, these are painful, these are way above our pay grade issues that we will wrestle through for the rest of our lives. And the key is to continue to grow in faith, in wisdom, and in trust in God and in his sovereignty. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's look at the first question first. How should we approach praying for a miracle? What should our attitude be when we lift our prayer to God and we say, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to intervene. I need you to step in. I need you to make this change in my life and in my circumstances and in my relationships or in this person's uh, physical well-being. I need you to do this. What should our attitude be? And the Bible gives us a great example in one of the Old Testament stories. In the book of Daniel, we learn about three Jewish men and reality, they were boys I mean, most Bible scholars put these three at between 11 and 13 years old when this story took place. Uh, And these three young men had been taken into captivity in Babylon, and their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they experienced one of the most amazing miracles ever recorded. They were bound and they were thrown into a furnace of fire that was so hot that the flames killed the men who threw them into the furnace. They opened the door, they got close enough to throw them in, and it killed those soldiers. Uh, The three Jewish men, however, survived. God rescued them, and the king looked into the fire as best he could and saw four men walking around in the furnace, unbound, not burned. And most people uh, agree that that fourth uh, person in the fire was Jesus himself. Uh, before his incarnation walking around in the fire with these three boys. But it is what these three young men said, not what happened to them, but what they said before being thrown into the furnace that just grabs our hearts and helps us navigate this question that's in front of us today as to what our attitude should be as we bring those requests to God. And I want to read Daniel chapter 3 verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the gom whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. In other words, we are going to cry out to God for help, for a miracle. Okay? Now watch this. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. This is the ancient Israel version of a mic drop, okay? Now, these kids are 11 to 13 years old, and they have the guts to stand up before this king who's threatening to kill them. He's imminently going to kill them. He's throwing them into this furnace, and they say, our God will deliver us. And then that key phrase, but even if he doesn't, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that God could rescue them in some miraculous way. There was no doubt in their minds, but they also knew that God could choose not to, and they could die in those flames. Either way, they would not sacrifice their faith, as horrific as the punishment would be. And here's where they give us such a great example. When we're praying for a miracle, we have to trust God to bring the best answer. When we're praying for a miracle, we need to trust God to bring the best answer, not the answer that we want. Does that make sense? Because God sees at a much, it's almost, you know, Ridiculous to even say this because of the comparison, but God sees at a much higher level than we do. You can't even make that comparison. God sees in an infinite way and we see in a very, very finite way. And these three Jewish youth showed amazing faith and determination in the face of certain death before they even cried out to God for help, they had determined that they would accept whatever he decided. They were good, no matter what answer God brought. Of course, they didn't have much of a choice, you know, at that point. If they were going to be thrown into the furnace, they were going to be thrown into the furnace. But you get the point. Now, this is easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, kind of that pre-decision that I will accept whatever God brings my way. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to work. I'm going to ask God to move. But however God works, however God moves, I will accept that. And that pre-decision is challenging. But trusting God in that is the foundation for our faith. We have to know this, that he is not only great and can do anything, but he is good and he will do the best thing. That's so important for us to grasp. God is great and God is good. He's not only great and can do anything, but he's also good and he will do the best thing. God will bring the best answer to the prayer that you pray. When I was the district youth director in Illinois, uh, one of the jobs that I had each year was to run our summer camps. And I was, each year at the beginning of camp, I would meet with all of the dorm leaders who would be inside the rooms with the campers, with the students, uh, and kind of leading that room for the week. And you would lead your students during the day, out on the athletic fields for competitions, you would lead them, you know, keep control over the food fights at lunch, and you would also lead them during the service times, and you would pray with them, and you would speak into their lives, and you would invest in them, and you would counsel them, and there was a lot that went into being these dorm leaders, and it was it was intense. And so at the beginning of the week, I would meet with them to kind of help them navigate through some of the, the bumps that might come along the road, right? And we would talk about tons of things from making sure students stayed hydrated to how to handle lights out at night with your room. And one thing we covered every year was the whole issue of mandatory reporting of abuse situations. And one of the things I would make sure they knew was that they had it to report it. They could not decide whether or not they were going to. They couldn't evaluate, they couldn't determine whether it was true or not. They had to report if a student confided in them that they were being abused physically, emotionally, or sexually. Because sometimes a student would approach a leader, and this happens even outside of camp scenarios, but this is where I was doing the training. Sometimes a student would approach a leader and say something like this, I need to tell you something, but you have to promise you're not going to say anything to anybody else. And I would always tell the leaders to respond this way because they couldn't make that promise. And this is how they were trained to respond to that student. If you trust me enough to tell me what you're about to tell me, You've got to trust me enough to do the right thing with what you're telling me. And I feel the exact same way about prayer. If we trust God enough to bring him that need, to bring him that prayer request, to ask for the miracle, knowing that he's the only one capable and able to deal with it, we've got to trust him enough to do the best thing for us in response to our prayers. As opposed to trying to dictate how God is going to respond, we need to allow God the room and the freedom and have the right attitude towards the response that God is going to bring us. So now we've come to the question of what's the right response when you've been praying for a miracle and you don't get it? What's the right response when you've been praying for a miracle and you don't get it? I want to give you three things to do when you've prayed for a miracle and it doesn't happen the way you thought it should or the way you wanted it to or the way you asked it to. The first thing that you need to do is this. Do not exhaust yourself trying to make sense of it. Uh, you know, some of you are really hyper-analytical and you try to analyze everything. You, well, what if I prayed differently or what did I do this, what did, what did I do wrong, and did I somehow inhibit this? And Don't exhaust yourself trying to make sense of it. We are not supposed to understand everything because we simply can't understand everything. We're not wired to understand everything. So what do we do when we don't understand? Because that's, that's normal. It's normal for us to not get everything that happens to us, to not get everything that's happening around us, to not get why our family is a certain way, to not get why our country is headed a certain way, to not get things. That is normal because we, he's God and we are not, and we don't see with the same perspective and view that God sees. And so when we don't understand, not if, but when we don't understand, here's what we are to do. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray. That is usually pretty solid advice about what to do when you're not sure what to do, isn't it? So Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Okay? But now it continues in verse 7 and says this, then... You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. There's that, there's that word, understand. We can't understand. We don't get it. And God's peace covers that. God's peace overwhelms that. God's peace is stronger than that. And his peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. That's what I want. When I go through difficult situations, when I pray and I bring something to God and it doesn't work out the way I thought it should, I pray that God's peace will cover my heart and my mind. Because if I don't have God's peace, I'm going to get frustrated, I'm going to get worked up, I'm going to get stressed out, I'm going to have anxiety, I could get depressed. All of those things can attack us in those moments where things don't go the way we want them to because we start fixating on circumstances instead of a God who has promised us that he is working all things for good for them that love Jesus. And I need his peace to guard my heart and my mind. And we are supposed to pray about everything so we can have the peace that is better than understanding. Get that. It's better than understanding. We don't want to get it. Let God handle that. We don't want to have that burden of understanding how everything's going to work. We have the opportunity here to exercise our faith. Because faith can't be based on what we see. If it's based on what we see, it's not faith. We get a chance to believe even when we don't get our way. And remember this, faith is not seeing. Faith is continuing to believe even when we don't see. That's faith. God's power works the miracles. Our responsibility is to pray but the weight of the outcome was never meant to be on our shoulders. We were not meant to carry that burden because it is way too great for us. We have to remember that God is sovereign. God knows all things and can do all things. And that's a good part of what makes him God. He is eternal. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He's omnipresent. God is a lot of omnis. And what that means is that he is capable of the level of understanding that looks at the world and sees things as the way they are but also sees things in the way they will be and as much as i want god to do this or that i'm not all-knowing he is psalm 147 verse 5 says how great is our lord his power is absolute his understanding is beyond comprehension that, that means that the comparison can't be made that I talked about earlier. His, his level of understanding is beyond our comprehension. Not that we can't understand how much he understands. We can't even comprehend how much he understands. God has a purpose in everything he does. You know, even in, in Jesus' times, uh, Jesus healed a ton of people during his ministry on earth, right? I mean, Jesus healed a bunch of people during his ministry on earth but he didn't heal everyone, right? The pool of Bethesda was surrounded by a multitude of people wishing for healing from its waters. But only one man by the pool was healed by Jesus in John 5. There was a purpose in what Jesus did. The second thing to make sure of when you don't get the miracle you prayed for is this. Do not stop asking God for his help. Do not stop asking God for his help. After we don't see the miracle that we asked for, many of us back off from praying because we feel maybe inept or inadequate, or honestly, maybe we wonder if, if God even cares. Maybe you've gotten to that point. There comes a point in our lives where we start to question, we start to wonder, even the psalmist at times cried out to God and said, do you even care? Where are you, God? Have you abandoned me? So it is a natural human response to wonder and our flesh to to react to the negative circumstances in our lives. And it can rock your foundation when you try to carry the weight of the outcome because it was never yours to carry. What is our responsibility? To pray. What is God's? To answer the prayer. And only God's power works the miracles. Our responsibility is to pray, but the outcome is not our responsibility. We need to let God handle the outcomes, continue to reach out to God for your needs and for the needs of those around you. Uh, but what happens is too many Christians, they're kind of like that 16-year-old who just gets their driver license for the first time. And they, you know, they're just like a week into having their license and they get into a car wreck. And and, and it hurts and, and it was painful and it was embarrassing and it was scary. And now they don't want to get behind the wheel of a car again. You know, they're gun shy. They, they would rather walk than drive a car again because now there's that, that stress of, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen if I get into a car again. And, you know, some Christ followers follow a similar path in that they prayed for someone to be healed. That person did not get better and it hurt. And it was painful, and it was embarrassing, and it was scary. And now they don't want to step out in faith again. And they would rather let someone go unprayed for than to put their faith on the line again. And We can't get to that place, church. We need to keep bringing our needs before God. We need to continue to reach out to Him. Sometimes it's because we've made it about us. You know, we're embarrassed because we prayed for someone and they weren't healed. We're embarrassed. We think we didn't pray the right way or we didn't pray hard enough. But when we pray for someone to receive healing, it's not so that we can look good, is it? I mean, if if that's the heart behind it, then we we need to check our heart and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to do some work in us. It's not so we can look good. It's not even so that person can get better. Now listen to this. When we pray for someone to be healed, it's not so that person can get better. It's so that Jesus would receive glory. That's why we pray. That's why we ask God for the miraculous. And yes, there is the side benefit of our circumstances change or the person we prayed for, their circumstances changed. But ultimately, it is so that Jesus receives glory. John 11 verse 4 says, But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And so church, I want to challenge you. Don't ever stop asking God for his help. He is a great God. He is a good God. And he tells us again and again and again in scripture to bring our needs to him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. God cares about you would you think about that phrase for just a second god cares about you the infinite all-knowing all-powerful creator of the universe cares about you scripture goes even further and says he numbers the hairs on our head for some of us that's an easier task than others but every detail of your life matters to him god cares continue to put your trust in him Now, the third thing we need to do as we process a miracle not happening is this. We need to stay in the boat. We need to stay in the boat. Now, stay in the boat, what in the world does that mean? Let's say a father asks his son to go fishing with him. The son says, great, let's go fishing. I'm excited to catch some fish. And they fish for half a day, not one nibble, not even a sniff of a hook in an entire half a day. And the son, frustrated that he hasn't caught a single fish, about noon tells his dad he wants to go back to shore. He wants out of the boat. And the dad says, why? This is one of the best days I've had in a long time. Because when a dad asks his son to join him for a a lazy day of fishing, it's not about how many fish you catch. It's about spending time with dad. And it's like that with us. God has asked you to go on a mission through life with him. And it's not about how many souls you save. It's not about how many miracles you witness or pray for and see God do. It's about doing life together in partnership with God. It's about being with him. And that's what we have to understand because we live in such a productivity-focused culture, but scripture and our relationship with God is not like that. You see, with God... The be with factor is far more important than the do for factor. The be with factor, being with God, spending time with God, doing life with God. The be with factor is far more important than the do for factor. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing that for God. I'm keeping my life in line for God. I'm doing all these things for God. No, God says, I want you to be and out of your being comes your doing. As you spend time with me, as you, as you uh, are transformed by my Holy Spirit, the doing that takes place, the doing that flows out of you will become different, but that happens as a result of us being with him. Never allow your circumstances, your disappointments, or your lack of understanding to cause you to make up your own ideas about God. God's word has told us who he is. God's word has told us who God is. And our time with him, Our time in the boat tells us who he is to us. The Bible tells us who God is. Our time in the boat, our time spent with God, tells us who God is to us. The thief wants us to stop believing, to shrink back, to quit, to get angry at God. At the end of the day, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and that includes you. And it definitely includes your relationship with God. And he loves to make us discouraged about the trials and the suffering that we endure. But all Jesus followers, every one of us can stand and say confidently, no way, not today, Satan. Jesus has already overcome this world. I may be experiencing a battle, but he has won the war and I can stand on that victory. His Holy Spirit is in us, giving us the hope and the boldness we need to continue to live a life that pleases and brings glory to God, including praying for the miraculous, which brings glory to God. So you prayed, but didn't get the miracle you asked for right away. Never stop believing in a God who sent his son to give his life so you could have life, a rich and a satisfying life. John 10.10, we just read or talked about half of it. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life is God's goal for you, both in this life and in eternity. Don't ever forget that. And the fruit of the spirit, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those things that the Holy Spirit grows and produces in us and out of us, those are the attitudes and traits that are going to carry us through the difficult times that we face. Those are the things that are going to keep us strong. When God shows up to comfort instead of changing course. There are times when we pray for the miracle and there are times where God shows up to comfort instead of changing course. When God walks through the fire with us instead of extinguishing the fire. When God grows us instead of taking the obstacle away. One last challenge this morning and then we'll close in prayer. Is it possible for you that you've stopped praying for a miracle that has yet to happen? That you're one prayer away from seeing that miracle. Matthew 7, 7 tells us to keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. It doesn't say after a week you can stop, after a month you can stop, after a year you can stop, after 20 years you can stop. It says keep on keeping on. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Pester God, if you will. Continue to bring that before the Lord. Luke 18:1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Now, the story that follows that is important, and it actually (laughs) involves some pestering, but the story is important, but that first verse just tells us a ton, even before we jump into that story. Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Guys, that is Jesus' heart for you. You should always pray and never give up. No matter what you see around you, you should always pray and never give up. No matter what the answer was that you received, you should always pray and never give up. Always pray for the miracle that you need and never, ever, ever give up. It's time for every one of us to stand and say, I still believe. God is good and God is great. And God wants the best for my life, and He's able to bring it. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for your goodness. God, that you want the best for our lives. We thank you for your greatness, that you're able to produce that, you're able to see that come to pass. God, your understanding is beyond our comprehension. And so, Lord, forgive us for the times where we wanted to put ourselves on the throne, where we wanted to dictate direction, where we wanted to say, no, God, you're supposed to do it this way. God, you should have done it this way. God, forgive us for those moments. And yet there are times in our lives where we experience tragedy. We experience loss. We experience pain. Things don't go the way we want them to. Things don't go the way we can even handle emotionally. And God, our humanity causes us to respond in an emotional way. God, I pray that in those moments, we would experience the fruit of the Spirit in ways we never have before as you come. And and Holy Spirit, you are our comforter and you bring comfort and you bring that fruit into our lives and you start to grow it at an accelerated rate. And God, your peace that goes beyond our understanding will guard our hearts and minds. God, there are there are some listening today who their heart and their mind is struggling because they've been praying and they haven't seen the answer yet. They haven't gotten to the end yet. They haven't seen the answer that they've been praying for, that they've been crying out for. And Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally give them peace in a way, God, that doesn't make sense because the problem is still there. The relationship is still strained. The sickness is still present. But God, you would give them a peace that goes beyond their understanding. It would defy explanation. But God, they would rest in you and lord i pray that as they continue to keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking that you will hear from heaven and you will respond in the way that is best for their lives in the way that is best for their family in the way that is best for the person they've been praying for and god we ask all of these things would happen so that jesus would be glorified Jesus, we want you glorified in our lives, in our victories, in our tragedies. Jesus, we want your name to be lifted up. And so God, today, would you help us to live this week lifting up the name of Jesus in everything we do, celebrating our victories in your name, enduring our tragedies and resting in your strength. God, we thank you that you are here with us. We love you. We choose to serve you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.